Best piece of advice I've ever heard about building a high net worth. It came from a millionaire I looked up to as a kid and it stuck with me ever since. I was worrying that I'd never have enough money to afford the things that I'd always dreamed about having. His exact words to me were, don't worry about earning millions. Instead, focus on the first 100,000 because after that, your net worth will go crazy. I didn't fully understand him at the time, but I did what he said and lo and behold, it worked. So why is the first 100k the hardest? Well, there are two main reasons for this. The first one is your earning power. Welcome in. You are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast. And one thing that I'm going to try and start doing a little bit better on Money Mail is sharing some of the resources that I've seen over the years and some of the things that really get me thinking throughout the week, whether that be books or videos and things like that. Because we now live in a world where people get rewarded by making sure that you fuck around. What I mean by that is that social content has gone so hard down the path of being entertainment focused and three to five seconds and start with a really good hook and have a really catchy title, get people's attention. The war on attention is a real thing. Now, there's two ways to think about this. When you go on social media, 90% of the time, two things are happening. You're looking for escapism and that happens via entertainment or you come across something that's educational. I try to play on the educational piece, so I try to consume things that will educate me, and then I try to produce things that will educate other people. Here's a simple thing to remember. If you are not learning, someone else is earning. What that means is that when you go on social media and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll, and you would go into escapism and entertainment, and you're like, these videos are so cool, probably... The person on the other side or someone on the other side is earning. Either the platform's earning or the people creating the content are earning. And that's all good and well because that's the world we now live in. I've got nothing against people earning from putting out content. That is 2000 and something and beyond. It's a real thing and it's only going to get bigger. But if you can't see it and you can't think, right, I've done enough of that shit today. I need to go into learning mode. Then you're just going to keep going down and down and down the rabbit hole and things will get harder for you and you will then begrudge the people that have these stupid channels that make this ridiculous amount of money and you'll think, why not me? That's why I try and interview people that are doing stuff and doing stuff on social media to show you you how they've then created some money from doing those things as well. But just be mindful that if you're not learning, someone else is probably earning. And if you're not learning, you're probably not earning. Because if you want to increase your earning ability, you have to learn how to do it. Scrolling countless fucking emoji blasting videos with people doing dumb shit to entertain you for you to escape your life for a little bit, that's not going to help you learn anything unless you're going to try and recreate that to then earn some cash and play in that space as well. So you won't be earning, but someone will be behind the scenes. So I'm often trying to find content I can learn from. Obviously, I'm trying to teach some of these things as well. And I know that money will follow me. Like I'll teach and I'll earn as well, but it probably doesn't happen as fast as putting out escapism type content. Now, in this video, it's got a really cool explanation of getting to that first $100,000. We know that that's really hard, especially in New Zealand. 
and it's a 10 minute video. So I'm not going to play you the whole thing, but I do have a link to it in the money mail, which is on the blog site of Keep the Change if you want to go and find that, or if you just want to search in YouTube, why net worth goes crazy after $100,000. Now, some of you might not even use YouTube. That's where a lot of learning material is. There's a lot of escapism on there too, but there's a lot of stuff that can really improve your life. And this person, Mark Tilbury, has 2.24 million followers, and you can learn some of the concepts. Now, I'm going to take you through to later on in the video where they start talking about what happens once you have that $100,000, which is what he is talking about at the start of this video. So I'll hit play on this again. Reminder, if you want to find it, Mark Tilbury, why net worth goes crazy after 100K, 1.1 million views in three months. After 100K. The answer? Because compound interest stops being lame and it actually starts to sound pretty unbelievable. Take a look at this chart. If you invest 10K annually with a 7% average yearly return, going from naught to 100K will take 7.84 years. However, going from 100K to 200K will only take 5.1 years. So overall, it'll take 2.74 years less to make the second 100K compared to the first. That's 35% faster to make your second 100 grand than the first. And it gets even better. If we expand things, to go from 200K to 300K only takes 3.78 years. Then 300K to 400K takes three years. And 400K to half a million is only 2.5 years. We could keep going, but I think you get the idea. Now that's pretty impressive, isn't it? So in his example, he's talking about saving $10,000 a year at 7% in terms of it compounding. So you might be getting dividends, the stocks might be increasing. And we'll talk about this later on, but people will be like, oh, where can you get 7%? People are, and they do. It's a bit of an average that people work off of, but it might not even be seven, but you're trying to learn the underlying principle in here. So basically what he's showing is that you stay consistent with that, you keep that consistent growth rate, you keep putting money in, and eventually as the snowball gets bigger, it turns into even more. So we'll just check in into a little bit more and then we'll get going. But it all happens after the first 100K. Getting that chunk of money as fast as possible is the key. Just think, if you can shave just a couple of years of how long it takes you to reach that 100K mark, how much quicker you'll become a millionaire. Once you get to this point, it's almost inevitable that you'll be wealthy if you just invest in a low-cost index fund. If all you wanted to do was save up this 100K and invest it in an S&P 500 index fund and never invest again, let's say, I don't know, you completely forgot about the account, you would still become a millionaire within 33 three years. So now what he's saying is if you had 100k and you dump it in to an investment and it keeps getting 7% returns and that might average out over the time, that $100,000 will become over a million dollars in 33 years. How powerful compound interest is once you've made that first 100k. So how do you make your first 100k? Well, and that's a whole different story how to make that 100k, but I've done some content about increasing your earning, I've shown you how I've stacked 100k and and gone through this. Now, I can appreciate it's really hard and it's really hard in this environment with higher tax rates and now we've got higher interest rates as well. But those people who might have already had a bit of a snowball going are going to be enjoying these higher interest rates that they're getting in the bank for some, let's say, risk-free returns. But obviously inflation's then eating into that and we'll touch on that too. But I guess this brings me back to the fact that this first 100K is a bitch, right? And people often talk about this. And then it brings you to the point that You've often heard me mention $100,000 as being my goal mark around a number of things. And 
I don't really know where that came from and we've talked about that, but remember that it was my income target when I entered the workforce. I thought, you know, making 100K, that would be insane. And we saw some data recently about how that's moved from what percentage of people in the working population, so the workforce were making 100K years ago to now it's just basically 16% of the working population. I shouldn't say just, but that, like, that's really high compared to what it used to be. Uh, but, you know, then I got into saving and I was like, okay, I want to save some money and I get to around 10, 15 and I get it back to 10 then I get to 8 then I get back up to 10 then I get to 12 and I go back to 10 and 10,000 was my thermostat and then I went to complete broke again and had nothing and was even a negative equity and then it was like, right, I didn't know how to do it previously and I used to make good coins so I'm going to start making more money. What the fuck do I need to do? And that's where I did the stacking my first 100,000. There's a podcast on that if you want to search 100K you'll find that and go and listen to that. Now, I had to break my ceiling of 10,000. So that's why I said 100,000 is that limit because I just times it by 10. It was nice and round and nice and easy. And that was designed to give me a psychological boost of could I actually do it? And I did do it. So I hit this magical figure of having the 100K. But what I realized as well is that other people talk about this and I thought, well, I wonder where I've picked this up from. So perhaps it was the late Charlie Munger, who was one of the world's great investors and, and still is, but unfortunately has now passed away. And he once said, your first 100K is the toughest to earn, but most crucial for building wealth. And he quotes in this, the first 100K is a bitch, but you got to do it. I don't care what you have to do. If it means walking everywhere and not eating anything that wasn't purchased with a coupon, find a way to get your hands on 100K. After that, you can ease off the gas a little bit. Now, the above makes a lot of sense to me. When I didn't have 100K and whatnot, I'd read stuff like that and be like, yeah, okay, like that would be pretty cool to have 100K, but it's fucking hard and I don't know how possible it is, et cetera, and cool, probably easy for them to say because they're, you know, they've got heaps and it's so easy to discount what people have done previously in their life to go through those milestones because we just see them as being so much further ahead of ourselves. So just a reminder, I was in negative equity. I had, I owed more than what I owned. So if I died, I would have died with debt and shit to be paid. Yep, some of it may have been written off, but basically I didn't have any assets. So I was in that large category of people that had a negative net worth, so owed more than what they owned. Now, then I went on a journey of changing that, but obviously I got to that 100K of having that 100K. So now this makes a bit more sense to me. So I thought, let's explore this a bit more. Because for me, once I had the 100K, then I started to see some dividends that would come back and realize, like, holy shit, that's quite a meaningful amount of money. And I noticed that as I saved more money and stacked it, that when I went into my my IR to see what's the interest I've earned this year and what's the dividends that I've had, it started to become a meaningful percentage. And I would look at it and think, wow, that's, and I'd compare it against what my old income used to be when I quit my job before I went on my own journey of getting into a vehicle to increase my income and things like that. And I would divide the dividends and the interest by what my old salary used to be and think, far out, like I'm earning 7%, 5% of my old salary by doing nothing. This is crazy. And all of a sudden it starts to become very meaningful because you've got a good snowball that can do some work for you. Now, remember that part of my strategy was build the snowball, get some of those returns and use those to subsidize my life costs, i.e. rent outgoings, food, entertainment, and all of those sorts of things. Most people would be smarter and would go, right, oh no, we're going to reinvest those dividends back into uh, the snowball and keep letting the snowball roll down the hill. And that's basically what these examples 
uh, based off of because remember if you invest 100 grand and say you put it into a term deposit and then you take out the net amount after tax that you get paid then at the end of the year, your $100,000 is worth less because inflation has eaten into that. So you can't buy the same amount of stuff at the end of the year as you could with that $100,000 at the start of the year. So that's why people will try and continue to compound their returns and then eventually over time, hope for higher returns when inflation is lower so that the, the snowball is getting bigger and their purchasing power is actually increasing. But me, I take a bit out and I use it to subsidize my life. But you know, then I got to the point where my income was increasing again, so I didn't have to do that. So I'd reinvest some of it or I'd take the passive income and invest it into different things like increasing my KiwiSaver, which we'll touch on shortly, and things like that. So you know, we could go in thousands of different angles with this, but I just want to show you what I picked up through going through a little bit of this journey. Now, if you want more on this in terms of me not paying all my bills, so using some of my income, passive income to pay some of my bills, see MoneyMail172, I don't pay all my bills. So I recently came across that video as well that really helped me make more sense of how I might have picked up this 100k concept. And of course, it goes back to compound interest. And yes, we've all heard about that. But just think about this in terms of $100,000 compounded at 7% annually. So at the end of the year, $7,000 is going to get added to the first $100,000, right? So if the year one, you're going to have $107,000. Now, of course, people are going to be like, oh, but you get dividends and dividends get taxed. Like, how can you get 7%? This is just taking a figure, right? So, you, okay, don't give up at that point is what I'm saying. Go and run some calcs at 3% then if you think that 7% is not achievable. But this is the, oh, nah, I don't want to, like this is just fake shit on the internet. Therefore, I don't want to believe it. I'm just going to keep spending all my money and not doing stuff. That's that attitude that leads you down that path. And two or three years later, you'll keep coming across this content where people are talking about making 7% average gains and you'll be like, oh, fuck. You know, how am I still here? Like, are you still going to just be like, oh, no, you lied. You know, that, that's not possible. People are doing this. You have to go and figure out how are they doing it and how can you de-risk so that it can happen over a 30-year window, not just in the here and now. Then, of course, the argument, oh, what about inflation? And we'll touch on that soon. But anyway, let's just walk through this. So let's just say we're not putting any, we get the 100K and we stack it into a 7% returning investment and that's after taxes and things like that. So maybe our shares have gone up and our dividends have been reinvested. After year one, 107,000. After year two, 114,490. Year three, 122,504. We get down to year nine, $183,845. And after year 10, it's worth 196,715. So we have nearly doubled our money in 10 years through not doing anything except for not touching it. After 20 years, it's worth $386,968,000. So basically almost 10 years to double it and then another 10 years and it's almost gone to $400,000. So nearly quadrupled it. So you can see how it quickly starts to snowball as it gets even bigger. But those figures look quite meaningful, don't they? And that's, I think, the key bit here. Now it's even this example is without investing more money. Whereas the person in the video, which you can watch if you want to, is talking about continuing to invest onto the snowball, $10,000 a year. So not starting with 100 grand, but basically start with 10, then invest that, invest another 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, and just keep going. That's what he's walking through in the example. But this and both of them really show you the value of compounding. Now, this is where someone's going to say, you know, where do you get the 7% returns, which we've touched on? But people do... And it's just not the point. So that's not the point of trying to understand the stuff because that's just, I want to quit. I don't believe it. Like, fuck that. And 
then you end up down the path of I hate the rich and whatnot because in 20 years you find out that someone has invested in one year they lost money the next year they got a 21% gain go and look at your average KiwiSaver gains to, to see that and see what sort of rate you've had if you don't believe it like go and get some data and go and see in your KiwiSaver provider when you log in what is the average return you've had over the lifetime of your KiwiSaver and that might just open your eyes a little bit more to what is possible of course as well we'll get the year but what what about inflation what's money worth you know what's money going to be worth in time etc there's no point like that should be when you say that like exactly so what are you going to do not invest are you just going to like hold on to the money and not try and seek a return just seems like those two things go hand in hand where people want to a dismiss that you can make returns and b say well who cares there's no point anyway because inflation's going to erode the money yeah a few years ago people didn't even know about inflation and inflation's been here for decades and it's a thing and it's been on average two percent so people's money's been losing value and people didn't say that shit as much because two percent didn't really matter and that's probably when people should have been laughing at other us by not taking any action because we're like oh well you know we're casually going to ask for a pay rise and stuff but we weren't like trying to compare it to what's inflation what about after tax and those sorts of things now people have learned about inflation because they've had to because we've been through a heavy bout of it but then come the people that just think it's going to be like that forever well will it who knows you know but then if if it is or if that's the risk like if that's your thinking of well what's the point because inflation's here that should be the oh yeah shit so I better do something. Like I better increase my income and I better try to invest consistently over time to then leverage off of the companies that are all trying to beat inflation as well so that I don't individually have to figure out how to do it. But instead we take it and we're like, that's my thing. That allows me to now go like, nah, I'm, I'm never investing. I'm not doing that. Who cares? This is all bullshit. I don't need to think about that. Well, that's, that's a tough track to go down. And I've done that in prior years of my life wanting to dismiss all of this stuff. But you fast forward 10 and you look back and think, far out, I just wish that I maybe got going on the path a little bit sooner. And everybody feels like that, right? But it's not too late and we can get going and we can you know, change things that we are doing. So I guess as well, I just want to highlight with this that once you have that 100 grand stacked and you're increasing your income and whatnot, of course, life's going to feel different because there's, there's studies done of what sort of amount of money you need to be happy and shit like that. And the funny thing is you build that snowball of that first 100K and it's not like someone knocks on your door and they're like, well done, you've got the 100K, like now you're going to be wealthy. You probably like already are at that stage because you've banked the lessons of what to do and what not, right? But you've probably made your life a bit easier too because you've learned how to make more money, you've learned how to save it, you've got some good security, you've got that feeling of, okay, if something happens, I've got some coin that I can lead on and your whole physical and spiritual, psychological, etc., state will change because you've stacked that cash. And that's why I think Charlie Munger's like, this is a bitch, but you've got to do it. I don't care what you have to do. If it means walking everywhere and not eating anything that wasn't purchased with a coupon, find a way to get your hands on 100K. Because what it can do for you is life-changing, but until you experience it, you can't feel what it's like to know what it will be like for you individually, right? Because we're all completely different. Now, let's just go back and let's walk through that calculation with $10,000 rather than $100,000. At the end of year one, you've got $10,700. Now, $700, dare I say it, you're probably like, well, who cares? Like, what's 700 bucks going to get you in this day and age? And that's where we get tripped up with that thinking, right? But $100,000 into $107,000, all of a sudden, you know, that's, that's a big difference, right? 
but we all have to start somewhere. But let's go with the 10,000. So after year two, it's worth $11,449. After year nine, it's worth 18,384. And after year 10, 19,671. So basically, we've nearly doubled our $10,000 in 10 years. And I know, because I did the same thing. I'd be like, well, cool, man. I've doubled my $10,000. Is 20 grand still much? The reason we think like that, I think, is because we look at what house prices are and we compare everything to what we want to buy. And in New Zealand, it's normally cars and houses for a lot of people. So then we think, well, fuck, like, So you're saying invest 10 grand at 7% for 10 years and all I'm going to have is 19,671 bucks. Cool, mate. And after year 20, it's worth $38,696. You want me to wait 20 years to nearly quadruple my $10,000. So after 10 or 20 years of $10,000, it doesn't look overly life-changing, does it? Now, it's not rocket science that the bigger the snowball, the faster the snowball rolls. But a part of it is the fact that the compounding amounts start to look and feel more valuable and meaningful when the snowball is even bigger. So I think what Mr. Munger was trying to say to us is that the sooner you can get this, the snowball will roll and it will start to look more meaningful to you. Now, for a lot of us, having a hundred grand is going to seem lofty, ambitious. Uh, I probably sound privileged to some people or whatever word you want to use, right? And it's only going to be available to rich people. But if you think about it, this is the trajectory that our KiwiSavers are on. If people are putting into KiwiSaver and superannuation, it can get to 100K and beyond over time and really start to take advantage of compounding. But most people also interrupt compounding by taking money out of their retirement fund for a house. So that's what we let people do in New Zealand. So we, like, think about this. We set people up to ignore one of the greatest investing lessons in history from some of the most successful investors when they say, do not interrupt compounding. So we set someone up into a role at 16, 17, 18. We say, save, 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 save. They get to about 25 and then we're like, you know what you can do? Like you're just getting some snowball rolling. You know what we'll do? We'll let you take it out. We'll let you take it out to buy a house. Now, is that good? Is it bad? I don't know. This is a nation built on top of housing. We need that thing to keep rolling. We are uh, obsessed with it, etc. as I often talk about. So of course we're going to do something like that because people are going to go, fuck yeah, I'm going to vote for that. That's epic. But other countries would probably look at us and go, far out, come on guys, like you're trying to protect people and let them save for their future. And when they've just got some momentum after seven years of putting into KiwiSaver, the first thing you let them do is take it all out, honestly, and interrupt compounding when it's just getting going. So then you're sort of back to the start, right? You've got money taken out and now you've got a little bit back into your KiwiSaver and you're starting to try and get that to to roll down the hill. And I know as well, people are going to be like, yeah, property, property, property though, that's compounding as well. So that's then going to be the argument. But this is why I think not many people get to that hundred grand investment to then snowball to see what happens. Instead, we do it over in the property space, all good stuff, but it's possible in more than just property. Now, I actually had this conversation with somebody recently where they were talking about their superannuation and they've got nearly $90,000 in there. And I'm like, whoa, that is fucking cool because the average balance is around 30000 So I'm like, you are three times beyond the average. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, here's the cool shit. And so I get out my calculator. I'm like, okay, let's go $90,000 on average times by 1.07 and just keep hitting the equals button. I'm like, look at like what that can turn into over 10 years, over 15, over 20. 
And that figure just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you realize like, oh, holy shit, that is a snowball that if I don't touch for a long time is going to really be able to be drawn down on and look after me. But of course, for a lot of us, we're, we're so tempted to pull that money out and put it into a house. I did exactly the same thing. So I, I'm not perfect. Like these are how I've learned and started to see some of these things and realize. So for me, trying to correct some of the things, you know, I even stopped contributing to my KiwiSaver to pay down my credit card. So please, I, I am no role model of the fucking perfect thing to do uh, throughout your life. But again, these are where I've picked up some of these things and looked back at them and started to study what do people do and whatnot and go like, ah, oh, I get that. That's why Mr. Munger talks about it like this, whereas we do things like this over here. So for me, I'm like, okay, I need to get to 100K in my KiwiSaver as a snowball because if I want that to be my retirement vehicle or if I want one less thing to worry about, surely... I do it through that avenue. And I know that not everybody agrees with, with KiwiSaver and that's completely sweet, but that's what I've chosen to protect my retirement. And then again, like I've said earlier, hopefully I'll have other avenues as well. And then I can maybe use that fund to, to set up to then uh, contribute to other causes and things that I care about. And we'll just see, but it's going to give me an option. So I'm going to trust Mr. Munger and I'm going to make sure that by the end of 2024, I have $100,000 in my KiwiSaver. And I know that it'll be a bitch, but I got to do it. And it sucks putting money into my KiwiSaver. I transferred $1,000 in there this week. And I'm like, fuck, man, I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to be able to touch that for 30 years. Who knows, by, the, the, by then the rules might have changed and stuff, but I might just trust the process. Trust what Mr. Munger is saying. Trust these people that are like, your first 100K is the key. So I've done it in terms of trying to save 100 grand elsewhere in cash and things like that. Now I'm like, I need to get my KiwiSaver to 100K and it's been on my goals list for a while. So I'm going to make sure that in 2024, I finished this year with 100 rack in there. Now fucking please do not pray for a downturn in the market because if the market decreases, then I'm going to have to put even more in. So I'm going quite good at the moment because the market's been doing well, but I know that basically some of the gains in there aren't me putting money in, right? It's the market doing well, uh, but we could see a pullback in the market and that number's going to decrease. So I'm going to have to track this throughout the year and try and make sure that come the end of the year, I've got that snowball, you know, I've put that 100K in there and then I can start to see it roll down the hill. Now, maybe then I can ease off the gas a little bit, like Mr. Munger said, and, and go, right, well, I don't need to keep contributing such high amounts into my KiwiSaver. Uh, or maybe I just decide, no, like maybe I want to do that. And that's where I jump on sorted.org's um, savings calculator, for instance, and go, right, you know, what's my snowball now? What return can I average out? Let's go 6%. How many more years? What do I think that I can you know, put into my KiwiSaver or my investment over those years? And then you can also adjust it for inflation as well, because there's those people that say like, oh, what about inflation? Well, then like sorted have already thought about you. You know, they've thought about those quitters. They're like, well, tick this box and you can figure out what your money's going to be worth if we have average inflation of 2% or whatever it is over the next 30 years. And then you can see like, oh shit, okay, it's only actually going to be worth, it's not going to be $1.3 million. It's actually going to be worth $800,000 in real terms. Then it'll say to you, do you know what you want to save instead now to be able to try and get it to that actual figure of 1.3 so that you're really cooking with gas and beating inflation. And then you go, oh my gosh, is that what I have to save each week? So use these tools that are available to us to check out you know, what we need to be doing and to inspire us to think differently. But of course, I know that not everybody's going to be near where I am. Some of you will be well beyond that as well. But on average, the, the KiwiSaver balance in New Zealand, the average sits at around $30,000. 
And some of you might be like, fuck, you know, I can't save a hundred grand either. Some of you might be focused on paying down your mortgages. Like all of these principles work in the reverse as well. You know, you might go, sweet, okay, I'm going to try and pay a bit more off of my mortgage, which is basically the reverse of trying to save some money uh, to then invest. You pay off your mortgage faster, you save yourself some interest. It's basically investing because you are investing in your future by freeing up the number of years that you're going to have where you don't have to pay your mortgage. Guess what you can do in those? Well, you can invest or you can take more risk because you don't have that high outgoing. I worked with a business owner recently. They don't have a mortgage, but they have a fairly decent valued property. So they don't have the stress of the outgoing. It gives them a lot of flexibility of what they can do in their business and whether they can hire and do different things because they don't need too much in their personal life because they don't have the heavy weight of the mortgage. So it doesn't matter whether you're trying to save your first 10,000, your first thousand, your first 100,000. We all have to go through those journeys and then learn the habits from them, right? So if you're aiming for your first $10,000, that's okay as well. Don't just dismiss this principle. But for some inspiration, you might want to check out the video that I started when I started playing this money mail. So from minute three to minute five is when it breaks down how investing $10,000 annually at 7% can explode when done consistently and compounded over time. Now, it it might blow your mind at the decreasing time it takes to turn 100 grand to 200, then to 300, then to 400, then to 500. And as the bloke says on it, Mark, I think it is, he says, you know, we could keep going, but I think you get the picture because as the snowball gets even bigger, it takes even less time to turn into the next $100,000 because compounding is doing the work for you. Again, Sorted have great tools. I've got a savings calculator. So if you search Sorted savings calculator, you can have a play with some investing and some compounding in there too. Get stuck in, keep it 100. Now you'll notice that this follows a theme from last week's content we were talking about increasing what we can save each week and stuff like that. So at the moment, we're kind of looking at compounding and thinking ahead and thinking into the future because everyone's going the other way of like, fuck, interest rates and, and inflation and whatnot. I'm always trying to get people to go like, okay, yes, that's the reality, but how can we keep looking into the future and beyond that and go bigger and think bigger and feel bigger and stronger and stuff like that to be getting ourselves ready for when we can do this stuff because things change. You're one of over 9,700 recipients. The KTC podcast had over 78,000 downloads in January. Thank you for those that have sent kind messages after releasing the first episode from the studio. It has been great to see some of that feedback. You can now watch the podcast, or some of the podcasts anyway, that go out on the Thursday. You can watch those on YouTube. Head over to YouTube, like, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. It'll tell the algorithm that it's good content. Hopefully we can get it into in front of more Kiwis that are trying to waste time on YouTube and instead they'll go down some earning and learning type content rather than escapism and entertainment. Did you know this week Morningstar says KiwiSaver funds under management rose to $104 billion in the December 2023 quarter. As a nation, we have our first $100 billion snowball in KiwiSaver. Remember that at one stage, that figure was zero. We had nothing in KiwiSaver, but now we have $100 billion dollars in there. The markets have been going nuts. I saw Adam from Compound Wealth. He said that it's been crazy towards the back end of last year of just the markets going on a bit of a run and some of the different things that people have been doing and talking about and the difference that it makes. But remember too that we're a nation built on housing and the property market, right? One day we might not be. There will be the same thing, a wealth effect of, holy shit, 
I've got $500,000 sitting in my KiwiSaver. Because you know what could happen for some people? They, their parents may die or someone ahead of them might give them some money or they might even have a large KiwiSaver but they die early and then they pass that on to someone. Like we've got all of that stuff ahead of us and as a nation, we've got a big snowball that is KiwiSaver that's finally starting to roll. Now let's have a look really quickly and I'll try and Google and see what is the total value, what is the total value of Australian superannuation? Let's try and figure out what those bastards, okay, you want a reality check? The total superannuation assets were $3.5 trillion at the end of the June 2023 quarter. Total my super assets increased by 3.3% over the June 2023 quarter by uh, to $996 billion. So they've got $3.5 trillion worth of assets over there in their super. New Zealand, we've just gone past our first $100 billion snowball. I was getting excited. Imagine what they're doing looking at us. Now think about that. Think about the nation of Australia and the wealth effect and whatnot that those people have because of super. That's a bit of a smack in the face, right? 100 billion over here, 3.5 trillion over there. Well, we've got an exciting journey ahead of us as a nation as KiwiSaver gets bigger anyway because with more money, there'll be more options and there'll be different things that people will want to do and invest in and things. So I'm really excited about the KiwiSaver space and what it leads to over time. I do think that it's one of the really good things that we have going for us in New Zealand where you know, it, we don't know what it's going to lead to yet, but I think it's definitely exciting. So I'm excited for the next 30 odd years that I get uh, to see that grow under my own name. Dear God, please help that I make it uh, and then beyond that as well. But a bigger picture, what does it do for the nation? What does it open up? But we are so far uh, behind the likes of Australia and they're taking it so much more seriously. But uh, you know, here we still make it voluntary and whatnot. So please you know, have a think about what you're doing in terms of your future and investing in that. I got to get out of here. Be good out there. We'll see you on the next Money Mail. It's a lonely baby, but they're so lonely. They'll be so lonely they could die.